Thank you for choosing the podcast of East Haven Baptist Church in Brookhaven, Mississippi. For more information on the ministries of East Haven and to access videos and sermon notes from our services, visit www.easthaven.net. A statue, a song, the sip, and another story. That's the hot topic for today. Now, last week in our sermon series for this summer, Hot Topics for a Hot Summer, we dealt with the subject of hell. The week before that, the doctrine of heaven, and last week, the doctrine of hell. And it certainly is considered a hot topic, has been for a long time, and I think we all know the reason. But I would tell you, this particular hot topic for today ranks way up there, way up there. Do you hear what I'm saying? If you don't, you might in just a minute. Today, I want to deal with the subject of prejudice, especially racial Prejudice, let me give you a definition, just a working definition. Racial prejudice. Prejudice against or hostility toward people of another race or color or of an alien culture. I think we get the first part of that. Race, color, alien culture. Now, let me explain what I believe they're talking about. They're not talking about ETs of the world, extraterrestrial. They're talking about just cultures that we're not accustomed to. For example, for me, that would be Harley humans, the people on the Harley Davidsons. I've been exposed to a lot of them because I've spent the last eight years and number of years in Florida in my adult life. And That's a whole different culture that I don't understand. And if you're a Harley human today, please don't get offended. I'm just pointing out that you've got a whole different culture. That you speak a certain language, you wear certain clothes, you drive a certain, you got a certain style about you, you know. I've I've watched you. You got the bandana going on. I've I've seen you eye, in Florida. I've seen them eyeball me in my Mustang. They're just kind of looking at me like, "Hey, what's up?" So I wanted to make sure I explained the latter part of that particular definition because we all have different cultures that we may have grown up with and be a part of, and uh, the Lord doesn't necessarily want us to not be who we are. He doesn't. We've grown up, we have a certain culture, and that's who we are. But he does want us to be like him. And he does want us to realize what the Bible says about all these hot topics. It doesn't really matter what your preference is, what my preference is about all this. It's what God says. And so what I want us to do is to Focus in on, as always, Scripture. What does the Bible say about all these different hot topics or any time we gather to study God's Word? Let me 
Let me explain a few reasons that I say this is a really hot topic, especially now. First of all, and this came out, Claire Ledger, on Wednesday, July 26th, that was this past Wednesday, and it's about a story that needs to be told. Our president signs proclamations to build national monument honoring Emmett Till, the one who was killed years ago. He was a freedom rider. He was from, it was the, the, whole, the, the whole time of that in, our, in, our, in the South uh, back in the 50s. And, and uh, I won't go into all the details there. That would take too long. I'm assuming some of you know a little bit about that. So I, I, I put that down as one hot topic because that's being discussed. Emmett Till, the paper this past week, and some will say, about it, that it's way, some will say it's way overdue, we don't want to repeat history of injustice, and yet some would say we don't want any statue reminding us of our past sins, whether a Confederate soldier or someone who was wrong, because it brings up old wounds and creates new ones. So you got both sides and some in between. It's a hot topic. And then there is... A song. Try that in a small town. Here it is. Today's paper article. I'm from a small town. Aldine's song, Jason Aldine's song, doesn't represent me. And he gives this particular one, gives his take on that. So you got the song, and I'm going to try to really kind of stay close to my notes here about some things that I wrote down. Try that in a small town has received comments like, I'm surprised this type of thing hadn't happened sooner due to all the controversy of a few years ago. Two, it's really the video that causes problems due to the backdrop of a courthouse with a history of racial prejudice. Two, Small towns don't tolerate a lot of junk because we get each other's back. So you've got different opinions about that, extremist and all in between. And then there's this word, the sip. Now let me explain what I mean by that. Living outside my native state as an adult for many years, mainly in Florida, I've realized what kind of reputation we have as being prejudiced, and I've realized how much I love Mississippi. I'm grateful for the years I've experienced in other states as an adult, but I'm grateful to be home. And I have passionately, at times, defended us through the years. And here's an example from this week's paper. In other words, oftentimes... Out there in other states, we have a certain reputation. I've said this before in six months, but I'm reminding you. Some of them, I found, are surprised that I wore shoes. Some would hear me talk and make some very wrong assumptions about me just because I talk like I talk. I didn't try to change my accent or be somebody I wasn't. Um, I just, this is the way I talk. And so here's one, because here's what a lot of people don't read. Now, this is a good one that came out on Monday. Larger than life as far as Mississippi. The legacy of Tony Tadlock, Jackson State's first white football player, 
who died tragically in, in, in 88 as a firefighter. He died, but it says, it says what makes the Tadlock story so appealing is not how he died, but how he lived. He was such an individual and free spirit that he broke the color barrier at Jackson State by becoming the program's first white football player. As a freshman in 1975, he was the team's long snapper on punts and field goals. He was one of the guys, the former JSU coach James Hartfield said of Tadlock, if another team, in other words, they're playing black colleges, and because they might have messed with him because he was a different color, this is what the coach said at Jackson State at the time. If another team jumped on him, they had to fight. They had a fight on their hands with his teammates because he was our guy. We don't hear much about those kind of stories that happen in Mississippi that are out there. So there's good too, not only now, but from long ago. And I, I must say that uh, I, I have to be careful here because even though I've spent some years outside the state, I'm about as Mississippi as they come. And I want to be careful today in talking about this. And there'll be some that'll be upset with me on both extremes probably before it's over with. But you know what? We have to address this. It is a hot topic. And if we don't address it in the church, how are we going to know what to do and how to handle it and how to approach it? So I want you to know there is another story. There's another story. There's another side of Mississippi that people may not see, but that's not really the story I'm talking about. I'm talking about the gospel, and in particular, the change that it can make in a person's life and the life of a church. I want you to open to Philemon. Some say Philemon. Some say Philemon. That's what I say. That's the way I pronounce it. We're going to look at verses 8 through 22. I want to read a few quotes while you're turning there and trying to find it. It's a one-pager in the New Testament, so it may take you a little while. First of all, listen to what Billy Graham once said. Racial and ethic hatred is a sin, and we need to label it as such. John Perkins said, There is no institution on earth more equipped and capable of bringing transformation to the cause of reconciliation than the church. Jimmy Draper, former president of Lifeway, Jesus does not discriminate. The gospel is for people of every race from every nation. Jim Simbala, pastor in New York. I'm convinced that one of the main obstacles to spiritual revival in this country is racial prejudice in churches. Michael Catt recently went to heaven, Mississippi board, graduated from MC, pastored in Georgia for years, president of the Southern Baptist Pastors Conference once. He said, I'm committed to the gospel where a man or woman is no longer viewed by the color of their skin, their education, or their bank account, but by their relationship with Christ. Dr. Tony Evans Pastor in Dallas said, it is my contention that the fundamental cause of racial problems in America lies squarely with the church's failure to come to grips with this issue from a biblical perspective. 
Racism isn't a bad habit, he said. It isn't a mistake. It is sin. The answer is not sociology. It's theology. Here's what we have. We have, in the book of Philemon, three major characters. You have Philemon, who was transformed by the gospel of Christ. Paul the apostle influenced him, helped him get his start. He had a house church. Philemon knows what it's like to receive the grace of God and be changed and then be called to ministry, in a sense, by having this house church. So that's who Philemon is. It's a letter written by the apostle Paul. On behalf of Onesimus, a runaway slave employee of Philemon some time ago. He was lost, but he'd been found. He ran into Paul. Paul shared the gospel, and this man was changed. He was different. And Onesimus, as he got to know Paul, ministered to Paul, ministered with Paul, he began to tell his story. And as Paul picks up on his story, it's like, you know, I think you need to take this letter and go back to your boss and make things right. Not that I couldn't demand that he forgives you and everything's clear because you obviously could stay here with me and minister to me and do things right, but this is the right thing to do. So go back, and I'm going to pave the way by writing this letter. Although I could demand that Philemon forgive you, even from a distance because of my apostleship, my position, I'm going I'm to ask him to do it because he loves God, because he's received the grace of God, and because the Holy Spirit has convicted him of the right thing to do, regardless of what those people in the church say or anybody else in the community. So here we go. Let's read some of the verses. Therefore, because he has the introduction, although in Christ, verse 8, I could be bold and order you to do what you ought to do. Talking to Onesimus, Paul is. Yet I prefer to appeal to you on the basis of love. It is none other than Paul, an old man and now also a prisoner of Christ Jesus, that I appeal to you for my son Onesimus, son in the ministry, who became my son while I was in change. Formerly, he was useless to you, but now he's become useful both to you and to me. I'm sending him, who is my very heart, back to you. I would have liked to keep him with me so that he could take your place in helping me while I'm in change for the gospel. But I do not want to do anything without your consent so that any favor you do would not seem forced but would be voluntary. Perhaps the reason he was separated from you for a little while was that you might have him back forever, no longer as a slave, but better than a slave as a dear brother. He is very dear to me but even dear to you, both as a fellow man and as a brother in Christ in the Lord. So if you consider me a partner, welcome him, verse 17, as you would welcome me if he has done you any wrong or owes you anything, charge it to me, to my account. I, Paul, am writing this with my own hand. I will pay it back, not to mention that you owe me your very soul. I do wish, brother, that I may have some benefit from you in the Lord. Refresh my heart in Christ, confident of your obedience. I write to you knowing that you will do even more than I ask. And one more thing, verse 22. 
prepare a guest room for me because I hope to be restored to you in answer to your prayers. If you need another title for today, as I think about the song of late that's caused so much controversy, and I think about this text, and I think about what it means for you, for me, in East Haven. Here's one. Try this in a county seat church. Let's, let's try the principles in a county seat church. Now, Daniel, our youth minister, Daniel Ridgeway with Noe and Ridgeway, he can, he can, I don't know if y'all know, he can sing. And I happen to know he can sing some country music. So I'm thinking, Daniel, you could take that title right there. Try this in a county seat church and write a song. I mean, you got, you got Will, you got Landon, you got others in here also. You, you need, that's just a challenge for you, Daniel Ridgway with no Ian Ridgway. You just may want to think about that. Now, what are we supposed to do with this particular issue? Oh, my goodness. Just when I think I understand how to handle this, a curveball will be thrown because of something that's done in our community or I'll see something on TV or I'll hear somebody do something and I'll, and I'll be reminded, man, I still got a long way to go. And so often, you think, man, doggone it. I know this is in the Bible, and I know God has called me as a pastor to address it, and then as a, my native state, and things that, I've, that God has had to work through with me over the years about this issue, I, and I still have a long way to go. I'm thinking sometimes, Lord, I think I, let me just focus on something else. Let me deal with something else. Can I just skip this hot topic? It's like, no, because it's tough. It's hard. So I'm a fellow brother telling you, I have not arrived in this, and more than likely, you haven't either. And as a brother in Christ, I'll tell you, there is, we're, we're all prejudiced in one way or the other, but there's racial prejudice on both sides. I get that. Because I've noticed sometimes when I speak on this issue, I'll have some white folks coming to me and say, let me tell you something, how There's racial prejudice. And I think, duh, I get that. There's racial prejudice on both sides. But that doesn't mean we dismiss what God has to say for us and loving all people and working through stuff that we may have picked up or caught instead of we're taught, at least if you're my age, when we were growing up, we have to abide in Christ and we can't skip over things that we want to skip over because it's our preference or it would be a lot easier. We have to deal with it all. When we come across a hot topic like this that's really difficult, we say, dear Jesus, please help us. And my prayer is that today... That God will help us through this passage. I've been, I mean, of all the hot topics, even last week when I get in my study, I've, I'm just being honest. I was walking around. I was pacing. I was getting on my prayer uh, bench, and I was just, Lord, what do you want me to say? I was. So here's what I believe. And this is, we looked at this passage around Easter on Wednesday nights. Here's what I believe from the text will help us. Here's the first thing. Let go 
of any hurtful history that may be a part of your church. Paul implores Philemon to put the past behind him. Why? Because bitterness causes problems that are ongoing. Because people can change. Because he's leading a church in his home and others can pick up on prejudice. He is saying to him, let it go, bro. Paul himself said, I press on toward the mark of the sure calling of Christ Jesus. He's saying, let it go. Let go of the past toward this brother. Forgive him. If you got to put it on somebody, put it on me. Not that... You should, because I've forgiven you. More than that, Jesus Christ has forgiven us. He creates a new nature. Christ in me, the hope of glory. We abide in him, and then he does a work from the inside out. But that's what he's saying. He's saying, let go of any hurtful history that may be a part of your church and individual. Let's talk about the individual because he's talking to him individually. Philemon, forgive Onesimus, okay? I know he did you wrong, but he's a different person. He's come to Christ. There's a place in talking through things, working through things. That's why I'm sending him back, but don't hold it against him. Let it go individually. True confession here for me. I can't speak for you, but only me. I've had to let go of being mistreated in earlier years as a teenager due to being a small white kid trying to play football around a, ma- a majority of older black guys. I've had, to overcome, I've had to overcome radical rednecks. And let me explain what, the way I... Now, look, I'm, I'm one of you. Here's what I tell you. You got southerns, southerners, you got country folks, you got rednecks, and then you got radical rednecks. It's funny, y'all, in Florida, they hear me talk, and they say, oh, man, you're a redneck. I said, no, you come with me. I'll show you redneck. <laughs> I, I definitely, you know, I'm southerner, for sure. Country, maybe. Redneck, I don't think so. Radical redneck, I pray not. So, I've had to overcome radical rednecks that give me the stink guy because I don't drive a truck with a rifle and a rebel flag on it and they think I'm supposed to bow to them on the road? Not this boy. I've had to fight what happened also a few years ago with the bombardment on television on how bad of a person I am due to the color of my skin for what my great-grandfolks did or didn't do or even recently posting a picture on my background on my personal page of of Facebook with a cotton field with the state of Mississippi outlining it. A guy I grew up with and Kosciuszko said in the remarks, what do that mean? I had to keep from jumping through the Facebook page. But I said, it means I'm back in my home state of Mississippi. I'm thankful I grew up seeing cotton fields. And by God's grace, I took my hand off the thing and stopped. Maybe I'll see him in a few weeks when I go back and preach on a Sunday. They're having a, I've told you about that anniversary service. And I wrote this down. I refuse to let something God created for our good to silence me, whether that's a cotton field, a rainbow, or a white cross, 
ain't no radical redneck, black person, or homosexual going to create fear in me to celebrate my freedom in Christ. Stand up, stand up for Jesus, ye soldiers of the cross. Christ frees us up. We're supposed to be like him, and we're supposed to stand up for what's right, but we shouldn't be scared to address this because of what people may think politically or they may ostracize us. What we have to do is fear God and not man and let everything just fall in place. Corporately, if in the history of our church, East Haven, we've done something wrong, which probably most of us have something in our past or in our church's past that we were raised in that we're not proud of. We need to confess it, which has likely been done, and move on. Black and white churches. Sure, glance backwards, but move forward. In other words, you come across somebody that says, let me tell you something about your church that happened which was like 20 or 30 or 40 years ago, and they seem to always want to bring it up. I don't know about you, but for me, that's going to be a red flag, whether it's a black church or a white church. Why do you want to keep bringing it up? If you know Jesus, Paul says to press on and move on in Christ Jesus. Glance back, learn from it, but move on. We've all had things we're not proud of in our family or in our church family. Jonah in the Old Testament, he had trouble doing God's will due to not forgiving those he hated. Prejudice has been around for years, and it is universal. First time I went to South Africa, I've been there six times. First time I went, I was shocked. I was shocked at the racial prejudice. There's basically three groups over there. And they almost didn't crawl. They all had a stink eye toward the other group. So let me tell you something. It's not just a Mississippi thing or a Deep South thing. This is universal, and it's been around a long, long, long time and will be here just out of other sins until the Lord, as long as the Lord tarries or the world ends. So we look at it, we address it, we do what we can, but realize only God can fix things, and certainly with this. But we can't overlook it. we gotta, we got to address it. So here's the second thing. Get to know those different than most folks in your church. Paul was encouraging Onesimus, Philemon, to get to know each other. God changes everything. 15 and 16, perhaps the reason he was separated from you for a little while was you might have him back forever. No longer as a slave, but better as a slave, a dear brother. He's very dear to me, but even dear to you, both as a fellow man and as a brother. He's saying, get to know each other. Sometimes in our community and in our culture, the way we're, we, we grow up, we might be hesitant, sometimes even fearful to get outside of our comfort zone and get to know people. So it can be human nature. For example, living in St. Pete, Florida, there was all kind of, it was more like an international city, all kind of folks. Now I got to tell you, because of my upbringing, we had, we had 
we reflected the community by God's grace over the latter years and more than we did at the beginning. And only God did that. And we still had a ways to go. But you look at the demographics of a city and you think, hey, what's up here? And so I remember there, there were blacks and then there were people from uh, uh, like the islands. And they talk like this, Pastor Hal. And they were black, but they talk like this. Pastor Hal. Kelly's down there. No, that's not right. I have different accents, but that is that Hispanic? Anyway, so you could tell I'm a redneck. I could, it's, anyway, they had different accents, and they were, they didn't look like me. Can I say that? They didn't look like me. Thank you, Kelly. And, and they, and they were a part of the church. And it was so neat. I got to know them. I thought, if, if you had told me I was going to get the pastor, somebody from Jamaica, an older lady named Miss Daphne, that, 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 oh, I love to hear her pray. I think, man, this is great. But it's a God thing. And so you have, to, you have to get to know different cultures. But one culture that I've not been around a whole lot is Asians. Like I grew up with a guy that was an Indian, a Choctaw Indian, Kosciuszko, Ricky Thompson. I, I can't, I'm okay with Indians. I'm okay with whites. I'm okay with black people. I've been around some Hispanic people, but I've not been around a lot of Asians. So I'm just true confession here. When I get around Asian people, and I, if you're Asian, I'm sorry. I don't mean anything towards you. I'm just admitting what a lot of you feel the same way. I'm a little nervous around Asian people because I've never been around them. And I don't know what to do. Am I going to say something wrong? Am I going to do something wrong? It's what I've picked up on. Because of where I've been the last eight, eight years when I've come back, sometimes when I'm out and about, like at a restaurant or something, sometimes, sometimes, not all black people, but sometimes when I'll talk to black people, I, I watch them. They'll start looking around like, does this dude know that I ain't white? D- d- does he know that we... We kind of have, you know, we don't do that kind of, oh, I, I understand, I know. But I'm so grateful that I've had a chance to pastor some people that don't look like me to be reminded, though I hadn't arrived, that people are people. And sometimes it takes getting outside of our comfort zone. Dr. Henry Cloud said, we naturally fear what we do not know. People who have never had close relationships with other people will fear intimacy and avoid closeness with others. And it's so true. Because of where I grew up and integration happened in the fifth grade, and because the demographics were like 50-50 where I grew up, and I went to school and I played ball, then therefore I'm a little more comfortable with that. People that may not look like me. I have a hat down here. I've talked about this a little bit. I'm going to talk about it again. You see this hat right here? Where I went to school, Mississippi College, we really like Delta State people. It's kind of like Ole Miss State, all that stuff. You know, it's just kind of in fun or should be. Some take it real seriously. Like Alabama and Auburn people, my, my wife, who's a Bama fan. But it's, it's, it's like, here's, here's what's happened. So I was given this hat. I may have told you about it recently. But here's what's happened. Because you think, ooh, Delta State, it's such a big, you know, it's just, it should be all in fun. But here's what's, here's what's happened. I've gotten to know. Now, I've known some Delta State folks in the past. My brother-in-law played football there, Neil Hitchcock. I've 
guy I grew up with, Rusty Ott, played baseball. There's some other people I've known, but I've really gotten to know some people here. You got Dwayne. You got Stephanie and Ken. You got Kelsa, my neighbor, who was a cheerleader. Are you out there, Kelsa, today? Maybe not. Oh, man, she'll be upset because I called her out and she's absent. And then the coach, I met a coach that went to that. So I'm thinking, man, I'd wear this hat. And this isn't my tribe. You see what I did there, Jim? Chalk toss. This isn't my tribe, but it's my people. And I love them. You see, we have to get outside our tribe sometimes and get to know people. And lights come on. Like, well, is it, this person isn't so bad after all. This person isn't an alien like E.T. This person eats food like I do. They, they, they like different sports I like. They like different interests. They have the, some of the same interests. Jim, see if you can catch. Good job. So it's important to get to know people. People. I have a pastor friend named Reverend Dennis Grant who's preaching here on September the 10th at 6 p.m. because I know him. Some of our men went with me shortly after coming here with Dennis Grant, who pastored Jerusalem Missionary Baptist Church in Brandon, Mississippi. He found out I was moving back. We've been friends for decades. He asked me to come preach there. Some of our folks went with him, and he shortly after, around the same time, I asked him to come here. He's coming. He's a black man. He's a preacher. He's a friend. I have a relationship with him. I... I, I I was pastor in Morrison Heights, and I saw the beacon, the alumni magazine, and it said, Black Preacher Gets the Bird Memorial Preaching Award. And he was in Clinton, Mississippi, and his name was Dennis Grant. And I thought, he's down the street. I don't even know him. He's a Choctaw. I'm going to go knock on his door. And I did. And I knocked on his door, and he was there. And he looked at me. He said, yeah. I said, I'm Hal, I'm pastor down the street, went to MC, read the beacon, you got the award. I said, I just thought I'd come by and meet you. He said, okay. He said, come on in. And he, he's still looking at me like, this white man is nuts coming up in here. And so I, I go in there and I talk, I talk with Dennis Grant. And it's so, it's so neat because here's what he did after a little bit. He said, now look. I just want you to know how. I, I'm not into this shaky, bakey, Mission, Mississippi Let's pretend that we all love each other, have an event, and move on with our life. I said, you know what? I'm the same way. I got you. I just wanted to meet you, and we'll just go from here. And so over the years, and he and I have discussed a few things at times that we don't agree on, but we're friends. We agree on Jesus. We agree this is God's word, and we're friends. And I can't wait for you to meet him in September. He's here because of a relationship. He's here because we got to know each other. There are people that are the same color skin that I am that are pastors. Sometimes I click with them and sometimes I don't. 
Some of them I may say, because I feel responsibility when I'm pastor of church, hey, could you come supply preach or do a revival or do something? And some I wouldn't. And it has nothing to do with the color of their skin. Same thing. I've gotten to know some black preachers in the area. There may be some, as I get to know them, I wouldn't hesitate to come up here. There's others, I ain't doing it. And I do their skin. I just don't sense a chemistry there. Or we have the same values of freedom. So it's a matter of meeting somebody as a person. So, so So what do we do? We don't do goofy stuff. We try to do godly stuff as we walk through life day by day. Share a meal, go to a game together, or just have a conversation, or do joint ministries like you've done in the past, East Haven, or like what Landon and others did with the youth. Just don't do goofy stuff. Just try to do godly stuff and realize none of us have arrived. But let's do something as God leads. That leads us to the third thing. Expect God to show you how to move forward as a God-fearing, Jesus-shining, Bible-believing, people-loving church. You know what? We don't know how this story ended. Did you pick up on that? We don't know how the story ended in Philemon. We know there was anticipation, verses 21 and 22. I love that. Confident of your obedience, I write to you, Paul said, knowing that you'll do even more than I ask. One more thing, prepare guest room for me because I hope to be restored. He's believing. He believes the glass is half full. That's what faith is. Faith is being sure of what you hope for and being certain of what you do not see. Hebrews 11 and then verse 1 and then verse 6. But without faith it is possible to please God. For he that cometh to God must believe that he is. And he is a rewarder of those that diligently seek him. I will continue to face radical rednecks with an attitude. And blacks treating me with disrespect like I owe them something. Only by God's grace and me and you growing in our spiritual pilgrimage will keep us moving forward and not responding in the flesh. David faced Goliath. He was a giant. There are others that were afraid of Goliath. You know the story. God's people. And David stepped up there and said, I come in the name of the Lord. He didn't let the size of the giant fear have grip his heart with fear not to address it or attack it he says i come to you in the name of the lord this is a giant hot topic and issue as a christian in today's world all over the world but we come to this issue this giant problem in the name of the lord trusting in him to help us and to fight the enemy who's had such a stronghold on so many of our lives for so long in this particular realm so we can be more like Christ. And as a church, we can stand up for what is right. May God help us follow the principles in this little book of Philemon to be a shining example of what God can do. Let's try this as a county seat church. Here's what we're going to do by God's grace. We're going to be sharing the message of the cross from Brookhaven to Mississippians and the world with the hope that changes everything, even racism. 1 Corinthians 1.18. For the message of the cross is foolishness to those who are perishing, but to those who are being saved, it is the power 
of God. Dear God, we can't do this, but you can through us by your grace. Please, please, God, help us. Help us. Help us. Thank you individually and corporately with the progress, however little or big that may be. But we pray that as we move forward, you'll help us to love everybody and to work through things that maybe we need to work through from our past like never before. God, we don't want anything to hinder the light from this place that we pray shines all over the world. God, you change everything. And for that, we're grateful. In Jesus' name, amen.